So today we continue our journey on this understanding of sustainable hope. How do we have sustainable hope? And that sustainable hope is connected to God. And so for us today, we're going to look at expectations. And we all have, right, expectations. We have expectations that we get realized and we're excited about. And then we have expectations that aren't realized and we are disappointed and maybe we even feel to the point of despair. We have expectations upon ourselves and upon others, whether that is good, bad, or indifferent. And we have expectations upon God. We have expectations upon God about what we expect, how God works in the world, how God is connected to us, what we expect God to do in particular situations, how we expect God to respond. And sometimes that also creates, sometimes we have something realized and sometimes we are left disappointed because of the expectation we have placed upon God. Even those who claim, who make that statement of, well, I don't know if I believe in God because there is suffering in the world. They have a particular expectation that God will do something or not. In fact, that whole thing around God expecting what we expect God to do around suffering is its own course of study in the theological world. It has a special name of theodicy. And so we must understand where our expectations begin to come in play and sometimes of how we need to elevate those expectations that maybe as we go through today, we realize that we have lowered them not only for ourselves and others but for God and so to have sustainable hope maybe we've kept our expectations too low and need to elevate them so as we're going through that discussion we're going to look at particular forms of scripture from Romans 8 and then with little side notes from Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd Psalm a little bit from Acts and a tiny verse from 1 John but all of it wrapping us and challenging us in how do we have sustainable hope and how is that sustainable hope connected to our expectations? So starting in Romans 8, verses 18 through 19. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He lets me rest in grassy meadows. He leads me to restful waters. He keeps me alive. He guides me in proper paths for the sake of His good name. So this first part, of what Paul is talking about. I leave that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. And that sounds poetic and sounds so hopeful. Romans 8 is a very hopeful chapter in Romans. 
And what we have to know is Paul is writing this as he is under house arrest in Rome. This is going to be his last piece of work that he is facing certain death. And yet he has this hopeful spirit of how God is at work in the world. And that even though there is suffering, there are problems at the moment. There are struggles that something wonderful is on the horizon and that it's going to be revealed. He has this hope of God's work in the world with us. Because, right, it says, with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters, of how God's children, of how God's creation, which is all of us, is at work in the world and that God is guiding us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want that sense that even though there is suffering and challenges in the world, how God is guiding us, how God is moving us, how God is revealing God's self to us, how God is calling us into this work, that there's this connection that is hopeful, that there can be something different, that we are being moved to new understandings. That no matter our circumstances of the moment, God is there guiding us. And so it begins to frame or question this expectation that we have upon God, that we need to have that expectation that God is guiding us and leading us and showing us new ways of being in this world, even though we are struggling, even though there are difficulties, even though there are challenges, God is still guiding. God is still shepherding us. God is caring for us no matter what. And so to begin to understand how that's an elevated expectation of God guiding us instead of God saying... Hope it goes well. I got other things to do. Or of understanding God as one who steps in and takes care of everything for us. Who says, no, no, no. Sit back. Relax. Don't worry about anything. I got it all taken care of. Sit in the lounger. That that is a lower expectation of God than what Paul is giving us. Paul is elevating our expectation that God is going to guide us and work with us and work through us. That we have agency and ability in all of this. Continuing on in Romans 8 verses 20 through 22. Creation was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice. It was the choice of the one who subjected it. But in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. Psalm 23, 4. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. So Paul is saying, okay, we were created, but we were created with free will. We were created with the ability to choose. We didn't give that to ourselves. God gave us that to us because 
God created us in love. God creates in love. God is not controlling. God is not one that says, hey, this is about my ego. I am going to make you do this, this, and this. But instead of understanding that this is an elevated understanding of God, that this is an elevated expectation that God is going to guide us and God loves us so much that God gave us free will to choose our responses in this world and that can be frustrating right because we see pain in this world because people made particular choices and we don't like it maybe we've even made choices that have caused us great pain and so we want something better we want a better life we want to thrive but but we're just moving into it God's not going to fix it for us. God's not going to wave the magic wand. Because when we equate God to control, we are equating God to nothing better than Caesar. Caesar, which the first century, that's who they understand, right? As the one who has power, the one who has ultimate control of lives. Caesar is controlling everything and most consider Caesar, Caesar a god. And so Caesar controls who Caesar has favor upon, who Caesar finds worthy, and it sure in the world isn't going to be Paul. In fact, Caesar is going to execute Paul. And so it begins to be this sense, right? This understanding of how Paul is trying to move us. Paul is trying to encourage us. Paul is trying to force us forward in a way of understanding God is beyond a controller, power hungry. That, that when we hold those beliefs about God, we have brought God down to our level, to our human level. But when we elevate and say, hey, wait a minute, God is working with us. God is trying to bring us to new understanding. God is walking with us through the darkest of valleys. God's presence hasn't left us because God loves us. There are still possibilities. God is not controlling us, but instead God is loving us right exactly where we are. God finds us worthy right exactly where we are. God sees the potential with us, in us, to bring about, to work in the world, to connect to God in new ways that really does change the world. But all of that is painful, right? When we are suffering, when we are in the middle of struggle, it is hard. It is like labor pains. It is painful, and yet we have the anticipation, the expectation that something new and wonderful is coming. But it's hard. Continuing on, verses 23 through 25 of chapter 8. And it's not only the creation... We ourselves who have the Spirit as the first crop of the harvest, also grown inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. We were saved in hope. If we see what we hope for, 
that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But if we hope for what we don't see, we wait for it with patience. Acts, the fourth chapter, verses 8 through 10a. Peter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, answered, Leaders of the people and elders, are we being examined today because something good was done for a sick person, a good deed that healed him? If so, then you and all the people of Israel need to know that this man stands healthy. You and all the people of Israel need to know, need to know, right? Read that a second time. Need to know that this man stands healthy before you because of the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. So here we have Paul that says, if we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. And it's like, yeah, but that would be so much easier. And yet, with what we just read from Peter, Peter says, you see this man, he's healthy. Well, if you think that, if you believe what you're seeing, that's because of Jesus. And they're like, nope, still don't believe it. Because, because that's not a sustainable hope. A sustainable hope from God comes in the form of what it moves us beyond, what moves us to new positions, that the hope for of healing in this case with Peter, with this guy with Peter, is that it now invites us into that work. So that even though they see that this person is healthy, a sustainable hope has them asking, how can we be part of that? But that's not what happens because they don't have sustainable hope. They have a hope that equals optimism and they can be dismissive of whatever is going on around them. They can give in to the pain and see nothing more. And Paul... And Peter are like, whoa, 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 sustainable hope here. Sustainable hope, which is far more complex, which is more difficult, actually invites us into the work. That yes, yes, we ourselves who have the spirit as the first crop of the harvest also grown inside as we wait. That we see the challenges instead we see the challenges of elevating our expectation. Where is God moving us? Where is God healing? And it may be a healing in ways that we had never thought about, in ways that God's Spirit can heal us in things that maybe we're like, oh, that was totally unexpected. And so to elevate our expectation, our expectation only of how God is at work in the world, how God's healing presence can be there, but also elevating our expectation of where we are placed in that work. That when there is sustainable hope, it invites us into asking. Asking, wait a minute, how can I be part of that? How can my work in this world, how can I respond? That when God is with us, we are moved into action. So not only is it an elevating of expectations of God, but it begins to elevate the expectations of what every single one of us are capable of, what abilities God has given us to be part of that work in the world. Continuing on in Romans 8, 26 through 27. 
In the same way, the Spirit comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself pleads our case with unexpressed groans. The one who searches hearts knows how the Spirit thinks because he pleads for the saints consistent with God's will. Psalm 23, 5. You set a table for me right in front of my enemies. You bathe my head in oil. My cup is so full it spills over. Even when we struggle with understanding what we need, even when we are struggling with understanding what it means to be connected to God, even when we understand are struggling with how to understand how we move forward, how we can be of help, how we can participate in this sustainable hope of God, that the Spirit, the God, that God's Spirit is with us and moving us and articulating those needs for us to God. That even when we don't think we are capable, God is still saying, nope, still connected to me. Haven't left you. That tenaciousness of God, that God will not quit us, and that God spreads a table out in front of us, in front of our enemies. And we can understand enemies here to mean anything that we struggle with, anything that hammers at us, anything that wants to take a life that is thriving away from us. And God spreads a table and says, hey, guess what? I am presenting options, options for how you can go forward, options how you can help, options for how you can be part of this work. And it may be in ways that you never expected. It may be in things that you never thought you were capable of doing. And here it all is laid out because all of us are in need of a God of mercy. All of us are in need of a God of love, of giving us worthiness, of forgiving us, of showing us new ways of guiding us, of being with us in solidarity. So it may not be exactly how we thought of God. Maybe we want the magic wand of God. We want God as a genie, but that lowers our expectation of who God is and of who we are of how God enables us in new and exciting ways. Paul is elevating our expectation of not only what we are capable of, but what God is giving us as a table spread before us with all kinds of things. It may not be what we originally thought. It may not be on our timeline, but God is giving us options as to how we can be part of this work in the world with God. And so we are trying to elevate the expectation. Continuing on in Romans 8.28. We know that God works all things together for good, for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. Psalm 23, 6. Yes, goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the Lord's house as long as I live. 1 John 3, 24. Those who keep his commandments dwell in God, and God dwells in them. This is how we know that he dwells in us because of the spirit he has given. We see suffering in this world. We have challenges in this world. We have things that we have to deal with at every stretch of the imagination. And sometimes we're like, really? Yet another thing? And sometimes we want to go, where is God? 
Did God not show up today? Sometimes people think, God must be testing me. And other times, people are like, wait a minute, did God cause this pain? Did God cause COVID? Did God cause war? Did God cause whatever to fall apart? And what we have to know, when we say that about God, we have made God nothing more than Caesar or the Greek and Roman gods who they believed were using the people as pawns. That the God, God who gives us love, who says we are worthy, that God, that God is bringing about good from whatever situation we find ourselves in. Whatever war we may have ended up in, whatever enemy we may be facing, whatever decision we may or may not have made that landed us in positions of pain, that God did not cause that. Because if we say God caused that or God's testing us, we have made God nothing more, nothing more than the Greek and Roman gods. And we need to elevate our expectation that we serve a God who loves us and, as Paul says, God works all things together for good. That God is bringing good out of wherever we find ourselves. Whatever predicament we are in, that God is bringing good, good out of it. We may not know it when it begins. We may not know it in the middle. But at some point, we're going to figure it out, how God is bringing good. And this also brings that question, right, of elevating, right? So if goodness and faithful love, as the psalm says, goes with us, if that is the God of love, if that is our elevated expectation of God, if God dwells in us, then how do we respond? Because if we want to blame God for the pain of this world, for the wars of this world, for the illnesses of this world, then we are losing, we are eliminating, we are lowering our own accountability. We humans are accountable are responsible, are given agency by God. God dwells in us, and when we realize that God dwells in us, we understand how we participate in the pain of this world. That it isn't God causing it, it is us. It is others. But if God dwells in us, then we have agency to respond. We are being called into work with God, a work that God is working through us to work alongside God, that we are able to elevate our expectation in our own abilities of how we can respond. And we can think of all kinds of stories, right? Where there was an issue, a problem, it seemed insurmountable. And yet somebody came up of how to help, of how to move through. Because it's an elevated expectation of how God is at work in us and giving us the agency to bring about things that we maybe at one time could have never imagined. And so that's our challenge this day. That is our challenge, to not only elevate our expectation of God in our life, but elevate the expectations of ourselves as those who are loved 
by God. Those who are enabled and guided by God, who are given new perspectives by God, who are given abilities by God to respond to the things of this world, to the problems, the situations, the pains, in ways that are varied, in ways that are nuanced, in ways that are contextual, but they are able, we are able to respond in some way, in some way that is part of the work of God. And so our challenge this day is will we take notice? Will we focus upon? Will we try to change perspective so that we are aware of God, where God is at work in this world? Will we elevate our expectations so that not only do we have sustainable hope, but we are able to cultivate it in others? How will we allow our expectations to be elevated so that we know, we know God's sustainable hope. Amen.